Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Soul Focus Radio. This is your host, Dustin. I'm here with my brother, Madi. What's up, Madi? Uh, everything, and uh, good to hear your voice. Good to be heard. Good to be in the atmosphere. Good to be alive. And good to hear your voice, too, fam. So for our listeners, if you've been connected with the series, we're now in our Human Solidarity series. And we left off our last episode talking about self-solidarity and how there needs to be solidarity with self for us to create collective human solidarity. And, and one of the things I would love to do in this episode, Mahdi, is to lock on to some thoughts that you laid out uh, in the last episode and expand on those thoughts. And one of the things um, our listeners will remember you talking about is how we use critical self-talk. Uh, where we talk to ourselves in, in ways that are not reflective of love, that can be harsh and uh, disruptive in terms of us reaching our highest self, our highest uh, level of self-solidarity. And so, Madi, the question that I love to start with is really asking you to illuminate on what are, what, what's the roots of the critical self-talk? Because um, so many people think that's normal. You know, it's become so normalized. But could you talk about what the roots are? Where does that come from? I want to see if I could be able to be as organic as possible in terms of giving uh, examples as it relates to the origin of it. Let me, let me let me say this first. We are so accustomed to not being on our own side until the idea of having positive thoughts about yourself on a consistent basis seems like you're doing something wrong. So there's this uh, notion of selfishness that has been associated with being positive about yourself. And because there are so many people who are, who are not 100% on their own side, those people who are working toward becoming 100 or are 100 are often seen by those around them as being arrogant as being selfish, as being people that are only out for themselves. And so that has created this air of suspicion around the idea of what it means to be a, a total surrogate of yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, so it's so many things that we have been socialized to believe that are counterintuitive to a healthy life. And we are going to have to reverse engineer what has been engineered into our mind. In other words, we're going to have to really examine agreements that we've made that have really been empty promises that we've went after because we thought they were going to deliver a whole bunch of stuff. Like the idea of putting yourself down has been taught to us as what we have to do in order to get to heaven. In other words, we have to sacrifice ourselves. We have to put ourselves second, put everybody else before us, and we go last. And that's how you pay your penance to get into heaven. Well, that's counterintuitive to a healthy life. It's counterintuitive to a healthy society, counterintuitive to a healthy community, a healthy family, because we are all mirrors of each other. And so if we all putting ourselves down and all seeing ourselves as being incompetent, unworthy, you know, full of guilt and shame, then we create a society that mirrors that guilt, that shame, that unworthiness. And if you look into our society, you see problems that are 
a direct reflection of that. Mm-hmm. And so, my dear, as you say that again, you know, listening to you speak on it, and you know, I, I flash to Nico and Elijah, my little ones, and they don't have that. They don't have that in them. But as I think about all so many of the adults that I've engaged with over my life and looking at my journey and where critical self-talk has showed up for me, I know, you know, it was a major part of your own life. How does that begin to show up in us? Because it's not natural. Our children don't have it, but then it just kind of starts to come upon us. Where does that come from? Programming. I mean, um, when we started working together some time ago, I used to talk to you about all the time about the subconscious programming, what we often call the groundwater in our Interrupting Racism Now workshop, that we that our subconscious has been filled with the type of groundwater that contaminates all of everything that we think. And so as a as a child, let me give you an example. I remember I was maybe seven or eight years old. And I would attend uh, church with my great grandmother, Mabel G. And uh, we went to this uh, revival that she had took me to. It was a week long revival. And all they talked about or taught on that week was revelations and the end of the world. And I remember being frightened. I was terrified. Oh, my God, the end of the world. And at the same time, the socialization or the programming had been to look forward to the end of the world, not realizing what you're looking forward to because. You really don't know, but the idea is that when the world comes to an end, God is coming back, so everything's going to change. We're going to have that heaven that we all are hoping for. Mm-hmm. So I remember uh, the, the uh, evangelist, uh, the traveling evangelist was talking about how important it is for you to speak in tongues in order for you to go to heaven. And I remember my great-grandmother, Mabel G., got up and she went to the altar and she spoke in tongues. And the uh, the preacher said to me, I was left sitting in the pews and he said, grandson, he says, grandma got it. If God came back tomorrow, she going to be taken up in the rapture. What about you? I was like, oh shit. So I'm sitting there as eight years old or seven. And I'm thinking to myself, damn, I don't want to lose my great grandmother. (laughs) And I damn sure don't want to be left behind when the rapture happens. And, you know, she's taken up and I'm not. I was like, the last thing I want to be away from is my grandmother. So I got up and went up to the altar and I faked like I spoke in tongues. You know, and the preacher said, you got it. You got it, grandson. You got it. And I remember walking back to the pew, sitting in my seat, and I looked around and it dawned on me. I was like, shit, how many other people in here did the same thing because did the same thing for the same reason? Wow. That's how deep the programming is, because we love one another. We love our family members and we'll start to believe something or want to believe something because we see they believe it. And that influence then causes us to make agreements that we didn't have to serve time to that. We don't even know we're making agreements to, you know, because every belief that you have comes with comes with circumstances or conditions that you you have to serve just like you were serving a jail sentence. And until that agreement is up or until you renew your original agreement, which we talk about oftentimes, what you end up doing is living a life, a a, a painful life, but you've agreed to become comfortable with that pain. So there's a certain degree of pain that comes with thinking that you're unworthy. There's a certain degree of pain looking at yourself and thinking that you're not enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not this enough. You're not that enough. 
And no matter what you do, no matter what you achieve, it's still not enough. It's an insatiable hunger that you have to become enough. And there's nothing that you can do to become it. Because it's a trick. It's a trick, but it starts with programming as early as four or five years old. What really earlier than that, by the time we reach four or five, the programming has already been locked in. We've already been, our brain's subconscious mind has been, the patterns have been created in it that will run for the most part of our life until we undo the programmings or overwrite the, the program. Mm. So, so, so Mahdi, you, you bring up a lot of questions. Uh, so as you talk about the, the programming and the groundwater, a lot of us can walk through, like I know before I was exposed to this understanding, I, I didn't really have a sense that I was operating under a program. I thought this is just how I was. This is just what life was. And so how, how does someone begin to recognize first the program has happened to us? I mean, I know you're telling them it has happened, but what are things that listeners, our, our podcast audience can begin to do to analyze the impact of their programming upon their lives and recognize that they have been programmed counter to their best interests? That's a good question. And uh, uh, let's start with modern time, modern, meaning where we are right now in this moment. And then go back a little bit. Sure. So the coronavirus hit the U.S. And we weren't prepared for it. Right. And uh, so people weren't able to go to work. You know, the economy came to almost a screeching halt. And now all your life you've been, you know, looking at the economy. And there's been poverty. There's been people living on the streets, homeless people without jobs, people hungry. And lo and behold, Congress meets and they just out of thin air create $2 trillion to put into the into the economy. Mm-hmm. Now, where did that $2 wait, trillion wait, wait, did come you from? Say, did you say out of thin air? Because I want to make sure our listeners heard that. Out of thin air. $2 trillion out of thin air. Where did it come from? See, because this is what we this is the heart of what we're talking about. It came from where all the money has always come from. And somebody would say, well, back in the day was backed by gold. Don't be silly. Gold, too, is given value by us. We give value to everything. Human beings are the ones who determine the value of anything. So if, uh, you know, whatever gold is worth, it's all in our mind because it's, it's a rock just like any other rock or, you know, but we have a certain affinity for it. So we put a certain value to it, just like anything else. My point is we have socially constructed our world. A world of social construction is a natural thing because that's what we do in a earth realm society. We create social constructs, meaning agreements with each other to to function. But here's the thing. When you have the power to create $2 trillion worth of money, you also have the power to get rid of poverty altogether. Mm. You have the power to get rid of hunger altogether. Mm. You have the power to get rid of homelessness altogether. It's just that the condition of the mind has been so socialized to see itself as greater than or less than until it's constantly recreating the greater than, less than scenarios in every aspect of society. So there has to be a group that's greater and they do better than, than those who are less than. 
And the less than group has to accept that they are less than and then act out of the agreement of being less than and really make themselves comfortable with a life that where they suffer, where they complain all the time, where they're not fulfilled, where they're unhappy and unhealthy. You get comfortable with that kind of life until in your mind it occurs as if this is the only possibility there is. You completely forgot or don't realize that the world you're living in is socially made up. Hmm. Every aspect of it is socially made up. And we don't realize that we are looking at what we are looking at is what we are thinking. We're not looking at the possibility of life. We're looking at what we're thinking the possibility of life is. And that's two different things to see what you're thinking versus seeing what's possible. If you want to see more, all you got to do is take a different angle. You look at things from a different angle. And one one change in angle will give you a perspective that you didn't have before. And you will clearly see that, wait a minute, we are making this stuff up. We're making it up to that we are not worthy. We're making it up that we are some of us are worthy. We're making it up that some of us are brighter. Think about intelligence tests. Hmm. Who in the hell are going to be able to determine whether or not you are intelligent <laughs> and I'm intelligent? Or right. How are you going to give me an, a, a unique human being an intelligence test and it be really valid, really based on something real in the universe? Every single one of us have a different talent, has a different gift. And because we have different gifts and different talents, we see and are capable of doing things that others aren't able to do. Right. But we've created, we, so, we socially constructed a society where we are constantly measuring ourselves against one another. And we think if we beat out someone else that we have achieved success. That is not what success is. Success is you adding up to the fullness of who you are. Meaning whatever natural expression there is in you, which is what your gift is in, what God is in, then you got to fully manifest that in every aspect of your life. That's when you feel successful. In this world, you have people who have billions of dollars who are who are failures because there's no fulfillment, no happiness, no joy. And I think so many of them run the world because we have agreed to see money as power, which is crazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but we, we mm-hmm. can't say that it's been forced on us, even though we've seen physical things happen. The physical things that you see happening uh, is not what's really keeping things together. What's keeping things together is the agreements we made to keep it together. The moment we decide to renew our original agreement, that's it, that is the agreement to be ourselves and who we were born to be. The minute we renew that, then we see that we can create this world into whatever we want it to be. So, so much of our conversations that you talk with people are, are not about creation. They are, they are about understanding or trying to figure out what creation has already happened. Hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So even right. a lot of our conversation about what creation has already happened and trying to figure out how people did what they did. It's like retracing our steps. Mm-hmm. But however, at some point we have to get into creation conversations. Yes. And creation conversations are forward thinking conversations where we are looking at and designing for ourselves what we see the future to be. And I would just say this, what we feel the future to be, because as soon as we start feeling it, we start generating it. Mm-hmm. Feelings are not past and they're not future. Feelings are present. So when we can start feeling it and really going to sleep with that feeling, laying down and snuggling up with those feelings, 
and start creating into them, then we start seeing the world uh, that we want to see come forward because it's right there. It's right there. You know, it's right there. Mm -hmm. Wow. Beautiful words, bro. You know, Madi, we're coming up on the end of this session together. But what I want our listeners to know that as you talk about uh, creating and feeling the world that we want to experience, we're going to jump right into that in our next session. So please, everybody stay tuned for next week because we're going to pick up on where, where Brother Madi left off in terms of creating and feeling the world that we want to experience. And you know, there's a lot for us to talk about, so much for us to talk about as we talk about moving towards human solidarity and creating uh, self-solidarity within ourselves. So, so brother, I want to thank you for your, for your wisdom, for this call, for this uh, session. And to our listeners, make sure you come back next week. Uh, we love you. Madi, you want to say anything else to the Yeah, people? I want to ditto that. Uh, I love you too. And uh, I appreciate your the time you're taking to listen. And I want to invite you to listen more with the uh, anticipation of you getting closer to dis the discovery of your own gift, of your own natural expression, so that you are not just a listener, but you become a creator as we are, because that is what you're destined to be, a creator of the reality that you want to experience. And if you don't create it, nobody else will. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, until next time, everybody, peace. Peace. Peace.